I want to start this morning with asking you a very simple question, and we're going to come back to it a few times, and it is this. If there's more of God to get, why would you ever settle for less? If there's more of God to get, why would you ever settle for less? We're talking about navigating strange days, and we're looking at biblical characters and and how they navigated weird times of of struggle or community or the future or how they navigated just all kinds of situations that came at them in life. And in life, we know that you're going to have to learn how to thrive in struggle because unless you haven't been around that long, life's just full of that right? Life's just full of struggle. Um, you know, have you ever noticed that every job you've ever taken, the same people are always there? Uh, they just change names and faces. I mean, the same manic weirdos followed you around. You know, you thought you're going to get away from them. They didn't. That's not true. Life's full of struggle, man. And if you're going to make it through life, if you are, you're going you're gonna to have to learn how to navigate strange days and you're going to have to learn how to navigate with supernatural power. And today we're going to talk about a man named Elijah and, and how he did that. How We're going to look at Elijah for the next two weeks. So I want to tell you I really hope you're reading up on Elijah because we're going to talk about him. You're going to, he, this guy walked in the power of God. I mean, this guy walked in the power of holy God. And, and he's got a lot to teach us. Now, let me tell you something. You think, you think that uh, the, uh, the power of holy God might matter in your marriage? Yeah, just a little, right? Learning how to, how to navigate in the power of God in your job? With those manic weirdos that follow you around, you think the power of God isn't necessary? Walking, learning what it means to... Have you ever thought about those of you that are, that are into business? Many of you really feel it called to business. Do you think the supernatural power of God might actually help you discern the P&L statement? You think the supernatural power of God might, might from time to time give you illumination on what the market might be doing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because see, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you if you're a believer in Christ. You see, to understand, friends, that the supernatural power of God, do you think it matters when it comes to issues like anxiety? You think you might need the supernatural power and anointing of Holy God to navigate depression? Yeah. Yeah, it is. What if there's a stronghold attached to your life somehow? There was a, a lady one time that said... Um, Great lady. I mean, she, she was a good woman. Uh, but she said, you know, I, don't, I, don't, I, I just, I just want to come to church. I don't, I don't really, uh, I, don't, I just want to come to church. I don't, I don't want to deal with these strongholds and some of these supernatural forces. And, and great woman. And I got what she was saying. But the truth of the matter is, friend, you don't get to opt out of that. You don't get to opt out of that. And then the reason you don't get to opt out of that is because you're not God. For whatever reason, God made a supernaturally charged world. He made a world that is full of... He he didn't consult with me when he did any of this. Right? He didn't consult with me. He didn't consult with you. And for reasons only God knows, he made a world that is full of good and evil. That's the world we live in. So we can't, we can, we can know, and, and, and really what she was trying to say was, you know, I, I just, I really want to just, just come and I just want to experience and, and, and I, I, I get it. I, I really do, but I want to, I want to say something to you this morning and I don't want you to forget it. In fact, I wrote it down so that you wouldn't forget it. 
You're never going to experience the power of holy God if all you want is the comfort of a church. You're never, you're never going to experience the power, the supernatural power of holy God. You're never going to walk in that power if all you want is the comfort of a church. And so I'm going to talk to you this morning about Elijah, and we're going to look at who he was and what he did. And I, I, I titled this this morning, uh, Supernatural Power to Face Strange Days. And, and uh, 1 Kings is where we're going to go. If, if, you, if you have a Bible, well, let's, let's go to 1 Kings. 1 Kings uh, chapter 17. All right, and uh, it's kind of toward the front of your Bible. Uh, for, for those of you that if there maybe a little hadn't had enough coffee, it's right before Second Kings, um, so you can you can spot it, right? You can spot it. See, I'm a full service pastor. I try to help you out as much as I can. Um, supernatural power to face strange days. So, what we're going to look at this morning is Elijah. Let me let me give you a little little uh, kind of out of nowhere a little, little context. Elijah is a prophet of God, one of the most famous prophets in all the scripture. And he kind of just comes out of nowhere. And so I, over the next, between now and next Sunday, I'm serious. This is what I would love for you to do. It'll mean more to you next week if you'll do this. If you'll read 1 Kings 17, 18, and 19. Read those three chapters and just and get them deep in your bones, man. Go over them because we're going to have to be familiar with them. There's a lot the Lord can teach us through his word this morning and next week as well. So here we go. It says, now Elijah the Tishabite who was of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, let me tell you who Ahab is. Ahab is a bad man, all right? Ahab is, is uh, the Bible says he did more evil than anyone in Israel before him, okay? So Elijah has to go, and he has to go to the king, and he says, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. So Elijah the prophet has just announced a famine. All right. And it says, the word of the Lord came to Elijah saying, go away from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. And it shall be that you will drink of the brook. So God sends Elijah in isolation. It says, it shall be that you will drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. So in other words, you're going to get your water from a creek, and you're going to get your meals from birds. Hey, listen, let me tell you something. God can do whatever he wants to do. Amen? He can feed you however he wants to, right? He can, if you'll let him. So he went and he did, verse 5, big verse. So he went and he did according to the word of the Lord. And he went and he lived by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he would drink from the brook. And it happened after a while. We don't know how long that is. But after a while that that brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah again saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon. That's a big deal. We're going to cover that next week. Stay And stay there. Behold, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you fascinating story. So he arose and he went and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, there was a widow gathering sticks and he called to her and said, hey, please give me a, a little water in a jar that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and he said, please give me a piece of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. And behold, I'm gathering a few sticks that I might go in and prepare for me and my son that we may eat it and die. They were starving. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. 
Go do as you said, but make me a little bread cake and from it uh, first and bring it out to me. And afterward, you may make one for yourself and for your son. Now, in America, that sounds insanely selfish, right? No, that was a custom. They would feed the, the, way, the sojourner first. And he says, and so Elijah continues, he says, verse 14, For thus the Lord God of Israel, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. Now that, friends, is a modern-day miracle. He literally just told her, if you'll do what the Lord has commanded through my words, you'll never be hungry. So she went and she did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. Now the bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. Now I'm, not, I'm going to stop right there, and it turns out I want you to read the rest of the story. There's a lot, there's a lot going on here, and there's a sequence of events, okay? There's, and this is really important you know this. There's a sequence of, a sequence of events where God is building up Elijah, and he's getting him ready for this big showdown at, at Mount Carmel. Where, where he calls down fire from heaven. And so this man, this man walks in the power of, of holy God. And so today I want to cover a few foundational truths about what it means for you to have supernatural power to face strange days. Whether that's strange days culturally, whether that's strange days in your career. If you're a parent, if you're not a parent and you're about to be a parent, I'm going to tell you something. Strange days are coming your way. All right? I'm, 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 I can't tell you what they're going to look like. I cannot. That's why. Why do you think parenting has so many books written on it? Because none of us. Let me tell you what I've learned about parenting. i got two boys, and this is what I've learned about being a parent. My mom and dad, and mom and dad, if you're watching right now, I know for a fact you were winging it most of the time. All right? Now, now that I'm on this side of it. You're just making it up as you go. You go in the back bedroom and go, what do we do with this? I don't know. What do you think? Let's make a plan. We make a plan. Come out, we come out with poker faces, straight face. This is what you're going to do. All right? And you just made it up five minutes ago. Why? Because it's hard. Parenting's hard. It's really hard. You're going to need supernatural power to face strange days. And so I'm going to tell you one of the first key truths that I've observed personally from the life of Elijah is that filling comes when you're willing to be emptied. And that sounds really simple, doesn't it? Filling comes when I'm willing to be empty. But let me tell you something about Elijah. Okay? Don't miss this, friend. Elijah did what God told him to do, and he went where God told him to go. Did you hear that? Elijah did what God told him to do, and he went where God told him to go. He did what God told him to do. So, you heard it. I think you got it. Elijah was obedient. Elijah altered his life. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. Elijah altered his life to meet God. He went where God told him to go, and he did what God told him to do. And I want to tell you something. It's very important that you grasp this. Because God, if you read the God of the Scriptures, God used very, very normal people, just like you and me, to do abnormally supernatural things. And you know why? Because they had obedient hearts. God doesn't need more talent. My stars, he's got talent. Full. He's got churches full of talent all over this nation. God does not need more talent. God needs obedience. He needs obedience. 
Look at this, just a couple of quick excerpts from what you just read. Look at this verse. And Elijah, uh, it says, The Lord of the Lord came to him saying, Go away from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook. And what does it say? At the very last. So he went and he did according to the word of the Lord, right? Look at the next verse. When, it, when God moves him to the widow, the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, and there's, and, which belongs to Sidon, an enemy country, and stay there. Behold, I've commanded a widow. I've already got it prepared They're to provide for you. So he arose and he went and he did what God told him to do. You see, God is looking for obedient hearts. And if you want, if you want the power of God on your life, you've got to be willing to be emptied of yourself. Let me tell you something. You cannot expect God. When I look at Elijah's life and anybody else in the scriptures that God used, you cannot, you cannot expect God to use you for kingdom things if you're unwilling to alter your life. God will pass you over. God will pass you over. And it's not because he doesn't love you. He just knows you're not going to do it. You're not going to be obedient. God will pass you over if you're not willing to alter your life. If there is more of God to get, why would you ever, ever settle for less? That's the question, isn't it? Elijah, I think when you look at Elijah's life, you saw that he, he wanted more of God, so he was willing to empty himself. He was willing to empty himself. Look at the question. Look at the question. If there's more of God to get, why would you ever settle for less? That's the key, I think, when we see Elijah's life. That, there's a second foundational principle, though, that I believe we can see from Elijah's life, and it's simply this. When it comes to being filled with the power of God, Elijah saw supernatural filling. Why? It's supernatural filling comes when my belief has no limits. Elijah's life, from what I can see, had no limits of belief. Now, by the way, I'm not talking about positive thinking here, right? I mean, you can have positive thoughts all you want. Like, you know, I'm going to jump off a cliff. I'm going to trust God to carry me up. Let me tell you, the law of gravity also exists. Friends, you ain't going to make it. Unless something, some miracle happens. But that's about all that's going to have to happen. Because the, the, the reality is you can think positive thoughts. We're not talking about positive thoughts. We're talking about Elijah had a spirit, a soul full of belief on him. Let me tell you something. You can't, do you understand how difficult this is? You see, when we, when we read these stories in the Bible, oh, okay, I get it. You know, he went to you know, a creek and God fed him with birds. Oh, you, why don't you try that? All we do is tr trust Chick-fil-A. Right? Pull up in the drive-thru, you know, get a number one, trust them to give it to you with their pleasure, you know, and y'all, that's pretty good. I, I, I was pretty on my feet right there. Uh, yeah, we, we, you, you, you try. Go up to your friends and say, hey, listen, I don't know how to tell you all this. I'm going to go hang out near the Caney River, Caney Fork, and then God's just going to bring me food from, you know, ravens. People are going to start calling your people. And say, hey, uh, you, need, you need to check on your man. All right? He's not thinking straight. You try that kind of faith. Try the kind of faith where God says, hey, look, I want you to go to a whole different town that maybe you've never ever been to in your life. And you're, you're going to know it when you see her because you're going to run into a widow woman. And she's going to feed you. I'm going to send you to a mountaintop. You're going to get all the prophets around. And you're going to say, okay, God, go. And he does. Let me tell you something. You can have more of God if you want it, but you're going to have to have belief without limits. 
And Elijah believed in God. Let me tell you, let me tell you how you increase your belief. Are you ready for this? This is important. You need to remember this. Let me tell you how you increase your belief. I'm not talking about your positive thoughts now. I'm talking about your belief that God can do what he says he's going to do anytime he calls you to do it. God can do anything. God can do anything. I believe that with all my, I don't just believe it, I know it. I've watched it too many times in my life. God come through in situations where there was no possible explanation for any of that to come about except that God did it. Let me tell you, God can do anything. And when God calls you to do something, friends, if you want God to use you, let me tell you what you got to have. you got to have a heart that is resolved to obeying without questions. I'll do it. I'll do it, God, I'll do it. But you want to know how to increase that belief? Let me tell you how you increase your belief. You increase your appetite for God. Now, I'm going to show you a little picture I drew out very artistically this morning. Uh, as, as I've been trying to put a thought on this all week, and I've got this iPad Pro that's got this pencil, and sometimes I draw stuff, and it always reminds me of why I was never an illustrator. Um, but let me tell you, these two arrows are, this is how I see this. If, you're, if you want your belief to go up, then your appetite for God has to go up. And those two will track together. I promise you. I promise you. Those two will track together. Test it and see. They will track together. Elijah had a soul filled with belief. Meaning, now we talk a lot about the soul at Clearview. What is your soul? Your soul is not the eternal part of you. The Bible says you've been taken over by the Spirit of Christ. The, that Christ comes in you. The eternal part of you is a spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us that. The, the eternal part of you is the spirit. Your soul is your mind. It, it is your heart. It is your will. It is your deepest desires. Your soul is, is emotional. The, listen to David. David in the Psalms talks about his soul all the time. The soul is all throughout the Bible. But Elijah had a mind, a mindset of belief. He had a will. What's will? Your will is your determining factor. His determining factor was he was going to be obedient to God. His deepest desires were to be obedient to God. That's an appetite for God. You see, let me tell you, Jason, is this really true? Let me tell you how I know it's true. You cannot walk with the Lord Jesus and walk in a soul full of doubt and unbelief. You can't. You may have seasons in it. Now, don't hear me say something I didn't say. I didn't say that you may not have down seasons. Man, go read 1 Kings 17 or 1 Kings chapter 19. Elijah comes off a huge spiritual victory. Jezebel yells at him, and he just runs, right? Runs, hides under a tree. He had a bad day, right? He had a bad day. Elijah had bad seasons too, but Elijah was a man that had a, a, a spirit of faith, a soul full of faith about him. And, and so as your appetite increases for God, your belief in God will track right along with it because you're walking with God. When you're walking in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and your appetite for the things of the holy is growing and increasing, so will your belief. So will your belief. You, you, they, they can't live apart from one another. Now, I didn't say that if you're experiencing anxiety, you're a, a bad Christian. Let me tell you, there's been a lot of saints of God that have experienced anxiety. There's been a lot of saints of God that experienced bad seasons of life. But I'm telling you, 
Blessed are those, Jesus said, that hunger and thirst for righteousness. For what? They will be emptied. No, filled. They will be filled. God will fill you. That's an appetite. And God will fill you. And they will track together, I promise you. Again, this isn't just positive thinking. I, I think about this man who was a, a, a devoted believer and the follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was one of the great, he's in heaven now. Uh, he, he was one of the greatest wordsmiths the world's ever seen. He took a lot of ridicule from Christians, even though he was a brother. Imagine that, you know, Christians being hard on each other. But this man, Zig Ziglar, said something one time that I'll never forget. He said, you are what you are, and you are where you are. Every time I read this, I want to do it the way Zig would have done it, you know, but I'm not going to do it because I'm not a performer. But he had, he had a cadence to the way he spoke. You should, you should YouTube it sometime. It's pretty good. Um, you are what you are, and you are where you are because of what has gone into your mind. You can change what you are and where you are by changing what goes into your mind. Let me tell you something. You know why that's true? Look at Romans 12. Look at Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that you may be able to prove, that's like a filter, so that you can prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Listen to me, friend. You may have seasons where you struggle. You may have seasons where you experience down times. But I'm going to tell you something. Zig is right. You can change what you are and you can change where you are by the way you interpret the situation. And the reason I know that's true is the Word of God tells me that spiritual change is possible. Aren't you glad? I'm glad change is possible. I'm glad that I, if I, I may hit a wall in my life, I may hit a wall in my marriage, I may hit a wall in my job, I may hit a wall as a parent, I may hit a wall as a man, but bless God, I don't have to stay there. Amen? Amen. I don't have to stay there. The Bible tells me right there that I can be transformed by the way I interpret situations. I can be transformed by the way I interpret situations. Let me tell you something, friends. God would never say that in his word if it weren't true. God would never say in his word that you, notice he didn't say, let somebody else transform your mind. What did he say? You have the power of holy God, the spirit of the living God. If you're a believer, you have the spirit of the living God inside you. The old man has been crucified in Christ and the new man has been raised. And because the new person has been raised with the spirit of holy God inside of me, I don't have to accept everything I see or is told to me or is said about me or the lies the enemy may spread on my own mind and tell me things about me because the enemy is real. But I have the spirit of God. In fact, the Colossians tells me I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ in me. Supernatural power is possible. It is possible if you want to live in it. But you have to be emptied, and you have to be willing to believe. If you want God to use you, if you want God to use you, well, you have to be willing to be emptied. It's, uh, it's March Madness right now, and uh, many of you are already in depression. Uh, for those of you that have a bracket, bless your heart. Um, 
I didn't fill one out this year. I didn't have time. And that uh, obviously was ordained by Holy God because it would have been destroyed. Um, but there is, uh, there's a phrase in sports. Uh, you hear it in all kinds of sports, football, baseball, basketball. And, um, and it goes like this. The film doesn't lie. All right? The film doesn't lie. It's a, it's a phrase in sports. And what that means is, you can say you're a great player. Well, let's just watch the film. Because film won't lie. Right? Film doesn't lie. You may say you have a great foul shot. Well, let's find out. Let's watch the film. Because film doesn't lie. You know, I, I've been thinking about something um, as I look back at this story in First Kings. And it dawned on me this week that that if I were an outsider looking in at me, Jason, the preacher, I would say there's a theme. I don't know how right I am about this. I've only been thinking about it for a few days, so um, I won't risk it. I think there's a theme that, that for whatever reason, it's like a magnet. Like no matter what, it's, I, I, I've never tested it. I've never had anybody go back and listen to my sermons. I, I wouldn't put you through that kind of excruciating pain. I don't care how much I didn't like you. Um, I, uh, but I can feel it. I can feel it in my bones. There's, there's a theme since the day I came to Clearview that even sometimes up here on the stage, when it's not even in my notes, I will find myself talking about it. And I have to believe that is sovereign. I have to believe that that is sovereign. And that, and that issue, it, it comes down to this idea of emptying and filling. You see, I, it's no secret to those of you that have listened to me over the last few years. Michelle and I have lived here for quite a long time, almost 20 years, I think, and and this is a great place to, it's a great place to raise a family. I mean, all you got to do is go other places and go, wow, it's pretty cool. We get to live here. It's pretty neat. It's a great place to raise a family. But I can tell you as a man of God and as a man that, that looks at the world with kingdom eyes, the best I know how, if I were describing Franklin to a, maybe a missionary in another country, I would say all the good things about Franklin. And then when it came to the spiritual issues, I could say many good things about Franklin and Williamson County. But I can tell you that one of the things that I've noticed over these last 20 years is that it's, it's what I'm going to call a spirit of religion in our town. It's a spirit of religion. The Bible speaks about that, by the way, in Timothy. You should go read it. That there are people that in the last days that will have a form of godliness, but they will deny its power. There, there's a spirit of religion in this town, and, and um, I keep coming back to this issue of, of the people of God emptying themselves and, 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 and coming to the end of themselves. And I keep finding myself calling us to be people of belief and people of supernatural empowerment. Because I know that that is far different than a spirit 
of religion. You know, we've got great churches in this town. Man, there's a lot of great churches. And I'm not saying that because it's probably the right thing to say. I mean, really, there are some really great churches in this town of all kinds of denominations. And I've got friends that pastor those churches. And I'm telling you, we have some great churches in this town. Man, in this town right now, I mean, <clears throat> we are so blessed with money. You, it's not uncommon for a church to raise a cause on a Sunday morning and they can raise fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 and send it to a country in one day. I mean, it happens often in this place we call Franklin. It really does. There are, there are many nonprofits sending money and resources every week to Haiti right here from this county. I mean, I'm telling you, there's a, there's a lot of good things going on and the more I think about it, when I look at somebody like Elijah, and when I read about supernatural empowerment, one of the things that I've noticed is, is that there is a spirit of religion. And when I look at what churches do, it's not that we don't do good things. It's just that I often wonder if we're really doing anything that the United Way couldn't do or that the Red Cross couldn't do. Now, granted, we do it for different reasons. I mean, I get that. We do it for different reasons. We really do. We do it for kingdom reasons. But listen, you don't need Jesus to build orphanages in Haiti. People do it all the time. You don't need Jesus to put clean water wells in Africa. Businesses do it all the time. It's just kind. It's actually more than kind. It's, it's good for a, a thousand reasons. And all of that is good. But I will tell you why I say I think there's a spirit of religion in this town. It's because I've lived here a long time. And for as many things as we do, like sending money to foreign countries or building great churches and having all kinds of amenities in those churches, you know what I don't see? I don't see golden calves disappearing. Golden calves like envy. And comparison. Our town is full of envy. It is full of envy. I hear it in how we all talk. I see it when I hear moms freaking out because they're under so much pressure to, you know, if you're gonna be an Uber or Lyft, at least you should get paid for it, right? Sending your kid all around, breaking your neck. And, and my parents did the same thing. They did, man. But I hear pressure. I hear envy. I hear comparison. I see materialism. I see anxiety in our students. Ask any student minister in this town, any of them. Go to any of them and they will tell you it is out of control in this town when it comes to our kids. The divorce rate hasn't changed, even though our churches have gotten bigger. The film don't lie. You can say that we do great things, and we do great things, but the film don't lie. The film doesn't lie. You know, living in this town all this time, one of the things that I've heard a lot over the years when people talk about churches is I will often hear people talk about a church and they'll say, man, their worship 
is so good. Their worship is so good. I've, I've heard over the years many churches talk about, oh, you should go to this church because they have so much to offer your kids. And that's true. There are many churches that are on the perpetual hamster wheel of just trying to offer more for kids. I hear churches described all the time over the 20 years that Michelle and I have lived here. Of their kids' ministry is just, it's off the hook. I mean, it is, it is phenomenal. It is unbelievable. I hear so many people bragging on their churches, and they're right. They are right. I'm not dogging it. They are right. But let me tell you what I haven't heard in the two decades that we've lived here. If it's happened, I don't know about it. And I think I would know about it because this is what I do. I don't know that I've ever, in my 20 years of living in Franklin, known of any church, any church, that anybody, regardless of denomination, regardless of size, that anybody said, you got to go to that church. Because I am watching friends that I know who are about to divorce decide not to. Because God healed their marriage. Just last week, I, I went to this church, and you got to go to this church because I saw a man who stood up in front of the congregation in an altar call and he said, I'm a liar. And I've been cheating my corporation, and I don't care if it costs me my job. I just want to be able to stand before God one day and be clean. And he repented. I don't hear of, of movements of the people of God where people are, are coming and confessing their sins and repenting of their envy and repenting of their strife and, and, and repenting of, of worrying about what somebody else may think or if, if their kid's ahead of my kid or my kid's ahead of their kid or maybe if they've got more square footage than me. And what does that mean about my self-worth and my ability to provide for my family? I mean, that, that's the kind of stuff we deal with in this county. And I'm saying to you, I don't care. I mean it before God and everybody. I don't care if Clearview gets smaller if we are more holy. Amen. I don't care if we grow downward because I know that in this book, God changed the world with 12 dudes and we're still talking about them. Men and women of God, we still know their names. Nobody knows our names. And it breaks my heart if I'm being transparent with you. It breaks my heart. And the reason it breaks my heart is not because I'm mad. I'm not mad. I've been mad. I'm not mad right now. But I find this magnetic pull back to this issue. And the reason that I think I find this magnetic pull back to this issue comes down to the reality of I know what can happen when the people of God empty themselves. I know what can happen with ordinary men and women when they say, 
I will drink from the well that never runs dry. And that'll be my measuring cup. I know what can happen when that happens. And I'm going to keep coming back to this issue over and over and over again. And just when you're tired of it, I'm going to keep going. Because I know what can happen. And my heart's desire at Clearview has been since day one that God would use us, that other people in the ages to come would look at us and they would say, what happened back there? And we would say, the Holy Spirit happened back there. And that can go from a hope to a reality. But I will tell you this. You, not me, you are never going to experience the power of holy God if all you want is the comfort of a church. You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if, if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't need to go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter. But sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world to sending them the Word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.